Well, welcome everyone uh, to Living Streams Community Church. It's a joy to see you here, and uh, we're so thankful that you're joining us online as well. Um, so um, if you uh, are new to our church, I'm Pastor Greg Rubel, and um, we're excited about Jesus around here. That's, that's always true. So see, Christmas is just an excuse to get more excited. Uh, so praise the Lord. Got some reasons to rejoice this morning. We are welcoming back Joe and Beverly Wilson after their victory over COVID. So praise the Lord for, for that. So if anyone else gets sick, we're calling you, you know. So you're going to show us the way, you know, prayer and, you know, praise. And uh, we want to also praise God for Ann Panetti's new knee. She got a new knee last week, and she's doing well at home. So praise the Lord uh, for that as well. These are answered prayers, uh, things that we don't want to take for granted. We, we, well, oftentimes we pray something up. You know, I do that a lot. I'll say, I'll pray for you, and then I do it right away because I don't want to forget. And then I forget that I prayed it, and then God answers, and we lose the blessing. So I didn't want to do that this morning. All right, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 18, sorry, 8 to 14 this morning. Uh, you know, you, this is Christmas Sunday for our church, really. This is, this is like the, the last Sunday before Christmas, and so this is, this is like family time. And, and then on Christmas Eve, you know, we have sort of a different group come. So, because many of you go to do things with your families, and so we have visitors come here. So, um, I just want to say Merry Christmas to my church family uh, this morning. Uh, it's getting serious now here. We got five days left. That's it. You know, so we got to pay attention to the calendar. You know, that's it's almost time for the men to get shopping. Um, not yet. You know, not yet. Not yet. So, you know, these Advent themes, uh, thank you, Randy, for praying through those. You know, they, they have seemed so elusive this year, um, those things, um, uh, because we're celebrating Christmas uh, with COVID. But, but it, I, I've been learning it's Christmas that leads us right to these things that our hearts are longing for, this hope and love and joy and peace. And today we're looking for peace. Um, we're looking for peace. And, and we are blessed because this is not like... This is not like searching for a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Okay, that, that's not the kind of search for That's not it. This is like getting a, a, a map with an X on it. And if we'll follow that map to that, to that spot and do, do a little digging, we will find that treasure that's called the peace that passes all understanding. We're going to start in Luke chapter 2 uh, in these verses 8 to 14. Uh, this amazing moment. In the history of the kingdom. All right, let's let's read these. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, "Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior." Who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. And lying in a manger. And suddenly. There was with the angel. A multitude of the heavenly hosts. Praising God and saying. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those. 
with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. Oh Lord, what a moment that is to celebrate this morning. And what a message that is to receive at Christmas time. A message of peace. Father, we thank you for it because it it is rock solid truth. It is there to be found if we'll go for it, if we'll look for it. And so we pray that we might be sensitive to your Holy Spirit today, that He be speaking to our hearts and our minds from from your word, that He will give us faith where we have doubt, and He will give us joy where we have sorrow. And he will give us peace where we have chaos. Thank you for the promises that you give us through these Christmas stories. They are true. They are a blessing. Let them be a blessing this very day in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so you know when I, when I read the doxology there that the angels end with, with that, with that message... I tend to want to argue with it, you know. Or I think, well, maybe God was just talking about, you know, a moment in time. You know, that there was a moment of peace. Because peace really seems to be hard to find in this world of ours. really seems difficult. I mean, every nativity scene that you look at, there's this picture of serenity. There's this picture of peace that falls over the earth when the Savior is born. But, you know, Jesus' first advent into the world was not very peaceful. I mean, when you look at the whole story from from start to finish, you know, you, you got Joseph there getting that news that Mary's pregnant. He's never been with her. So you can just feel the unrest and the anxiety in his heart as he as he believes and he makes it all the way to the manger and things, you know, come true. And Mary, she had to travel 70 miles, you know, to Bethlehem because of a census. We don't know if she walked it or rode it, but either way, it was not a peaceful journey. And then, you know, babies are born back then the same way they're born today, except there were no pain meds back then. Jesus came into the world. It uh, usually is not a very peaceful thing (laughs) when that happens. Shepherds, they might have been out in the field having a nice moment, nice evening, nice little campfire. You know, we see that starry sky. We see all those things. And then the angels break in there and disturb their peace, and they're filled with great fear. After Jesus is born, Herod responds to, you know, the, the, the story or the rumor that he's been born. And there's a prophecy about a baby being born in Bethlehem. He goes in and kills all the baby boys two years old and younger. Not a lot of peace in Jesus' first advent. And I think when we look at our lives today, you know, very similar, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's not a whole lot different. I mean, where's the news stories that bring peace? You know, where, where's, where's the peace in our community? Saw Indianapolis has set a record this year, smashing the murder record. Violence is, is on the rise. You know, we got these to-do lists and we start knocking them off and it looks like we're going to get to the end or, or you know, the calendar. Oh, there's a blank space on the calendar or, or uh, the semester's done or, or I get a day off and, you know, it's like here comes peace and then something shows up, pops up, poof, and it sort of vanishes, right? And we just put our head down and we keep on going. Peace. I really believe what the angel said. You know, that, that, that proclamation 
the night that, that Jesus was born. I, I believe that it was, you know, because God so loved mankind that he sent his son to our world. He's a gift to everyone. It, it's, it's God's olive branch of peace to, to us, to make up for this rift of sin between us and him. And the angels, when they proclaim that at the end, it's a big truth that is still coming true today. Still coming true today. Last week we were looking for joy and we, we had that, you know, we can't pursue joy because we'll never find it. We've got to change that pursuit to a, a pursuit of God. This week there is peace to be found and we can put it right in the middle of our map. We can go right toward it because the Bible tells us how we can find it. Now it is common sense, isn't it, that if you are looking for something, you need to know what you're looking for. Right? You need to know what you're looking for. So the same goes for peace. We need to understand the kind of peace that the angels are talking about on this Christmas night. Now, our God, He is a God of peace. And He reigns over a kingdom of peace. And His Son was called the Prince of Peace. Second Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace Himself Give you peace at all times and in every way. He's the Lord of peace. So what kind of peace are we talking about? Well, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4, kind of describes some things about what it's going to be like under the rule of the Messiah. He shall judge between the nations. He shall decide disputes for many peoples. And, there shall, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So Jesus' kingdom, when it comes in all its fullness, wars will be no more. The, the desire in man to conquer others, to have more of what this world has to offer, will be gone. It will be, it will be satisfied. The response to injustice and weakness and betrayal will no longer be aggression and anger and hatred and murder. Can you imagine that? Swords will no longer be needed. Armies unnecessary. Because the Prince of Peace is on his throne and he is judging and he is settling things in his perfect and righteous way and his peace will cause conflict to go away. Wow. Isaiah chapter 11 verses 5 to 9 tells us even more. Jesus' peace not only uh, overcomes man, but it also extends out to his creation. I love these verses. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Talking about Jesus. And then it says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with a young goat and the calf and the lion and the fatted, fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young, the young, their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain for the, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now we're talking about something different now, aren't we? That's a totally different world than we are in right now. Totally different kingdom. I love that nativity picture where that, where that peace has just settled in on that, on that moment. And you see 
You see Mary and Joseph there and the shepherds, usually the wise men, even though they don't come along till later. But usually, you know, it's all right there. But you got the animals there and they're all just they all just look sleepy. You know, they're they're lying down. You know, that peace has not only come to man, but it's extended to the animals. So it's this quiet stillness. Man, you know, trying to give a version of this special night, um, reflecting the kind of peace that God bring, brings into the world. What's going on there? It's not just an external peace. This is an internal peace. God is bringing something into the hearts of all these, all these people, all these animals, changing the carnivorous appetite of an animal. Danger no more from animals. No more war, no more killing. I mean, this is as complete a piece as we could ever think about. It blankets the kingdom, emanates from the inside out of everything God has created. So when the Prince of Peace reigns, there will not have to be a search for peace. We won't have to search for it because we'll be breathing it in. It'll be like, like our lungs breathing in the purest air that we've ever breathed, except it'll be our heart that's soaking it in. That's what's going to happen. This kind of peace, it comes from God. It can only come from God. Now, we do our best to create peace. We had a, we had a, a night, a silent night of peace. When, uh, Randy talked about that. We created an environment, you know, in here that was quiet, that was peaceful. But, you know, if your insides were not peaceful, you could come into that external environment and, it, and you wouldn't experience peace because the inside was so crazy. But when God gives peace, when it comes to the inside, then even when the outside is crazy, even when the calendar is full, even when the news has got bad news, you know, even, even when the to-do list is, is big, all of those things, the peace on the inside stays put. And we still walk through this crazy life with that in there. Jesus said this in John 14, 27. He said this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Because he gives us peace on the inside. Now, at the root of this peace is a healing that comes between God and man because of Jesus. And that's why the angels said what they said to the shepherds. And in Psalm 85, you can find this prayer of lament in there to God it, over the rift that, that, that is between his people and him. You know, it's, a, it's a prayer to him. And they appeal to his forgiveness in, for them in the past, and then they ask for it in the present. And then in verse 8, the prayer gets personal. In verse 8, and the pronouns go from we to me. So, God, you have been giving, uh, you have been good to your people. You've given us mercy in the past, forgiving us in the past, withdrawing your wrath. We plead for that now. Please take away your anger. You are our salvation. And then verse 8 comes along. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. So this, this peace thing is a personal thing that God gives to us. And when Jesus was sent, God answered that prayer for peace. He kept all of his promises for peace. When he made a way for man to be heart reconciled to God. 
Something we couldn't do. He did it for us. So that's the kind of peace that we're talking about. It's a gospel of peace that changes the heart of man. So our God is a God of peace who reigns over a kingdom of peace, whose son is called the Prince of Peace, who brought us the gospel of peace. So when you look at our world, God is in the peacemaking business. He is doing a lot of peacemaking between people and him and between people and people. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So when we're walking in the footsteps of our Heavenly Father, of Jesus, being peacemakers, we're acting like him. We're called sons and daughters of God. Child of, we're acting like our Heavenly Father. That's exactly how God wants us to walk. He wants us to live at peace with him and with others. And so that means that when we can, we need to make the peace. When we can. Psalm 34 verse 14 says, Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. You know, there is no better time than Christmas to seek peace and pursue it. Think about the peace killers in your life. I'm not, and I don't mean like the, the peace killers on the outside. You know, the calendar, the, the smartphone. You know, the smartphone's a peace killer. Um, you know, uh, the, the to-do to do list, uh, all that stuff. I'm not talking about the external. I'm talking about the internal kinds of things. The kind that steal your sleep. The kind that invade your brain 24-7. The kind that make it hard to believe. Those kinds of peace killers. Spiritual warfare is a peace killer. You know, spiritual warfare, when, when Satan has you in his crosshairs and he is firing those fiery arrows at you and they just seem like they just keep coming, that's a peace killer. Conflict is a peace killer. When you're at odds with someone else, you know, anger took over, words were said, and there's no, there's no reconciliation. You know, it's still out there. The hurt is still out there. That is a peace killer. Really hard to experience the peace of God when you're in conflict with other people. Sin is a peace killer. When you are doing things or thinking things that, that offend God and you're continuing in those patterns of doing and thinking things, then you are in conflict with God. And He is going to keep you under His loving discipline until you begin to see your sin the way He sees your sin and what it's doing to your relationship with Him and to your relationship with others. He will keep after you. He will not leave you alone. He will be the one disturbing your peace. Worry. Worry is a peace killer. You know, where we're just fretting about all these circumstances in our lives. How am I going to pay for Christmas? What's wrong with the car now? How am I going to get a good grade on this final? What if that COVID test is positive? Worry. Worry is a huge peace killer. And it often leads to fear. You know, fear is, is, uh, is, go- is going to... It, kind of rise up inside of us and it says that I'm not going to be okay if this happens. What if I fail? What if I lose my job? What if my future doesn't turn out the way I think it's going to or I want it to? Fear. And so worry kind of makes you bounce off the walls of your soul and fear just kind of freezes you from doing anything. You just stop and you don't do anything because you're afraid. Both of those things are peace killers. They steal your peace. Now for all of those things, God has provided a way for us to overcome them 
and to, and to make peace, to experience his peace uh, that our soul is longing for. And really, prayer is, is the primary way to, to do that. It, it's a huge peacemaking tool. So when you're under spiritual attack, the way to fight that battle is on your knees in prayer. And actually, not even just your prayers, but ask others to pray for you when, when you are under spiritual attack. Listen to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 to 12. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So listen, if you're a believer and you have this genuine desire to follow in Jesus' footsteps, to live for God every day, I want you to know that Satan has you on his radar. You are on his radar. He is like a a lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. That's exactly what this word tells us. And so we can't forget that. And the only way to fight that war, to be a good soldier in that war, is to get on your knees and to put on your armor and to ask God to fight for you. That is what you have to do to win that war. Now, how do you know that Satan is messing with you? It is not easy to, to know. It, it's kind of it's, it's kind of hard. Um, but I will say this, that if you have no peace in your life, across the board, in any area of your life, even in areas that should be peaceful, you know, all is well with the family, all is well with the job, but you don't have any peace there. If it's all over there, if you feel like you're failing everywhere, Satan is messing with you. If you can't identify any of the other peace killers and you don't have peace, Satan is messing with you. And you need to get on your knees. Follow James 4, 7. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. To you, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's our fighting strategy when it comes to spiritual warfare. That will bring peace almost immediately when you recognize it. It's like I said, it's hard to know if Satan's messing with you, but when you recognize it, you get people praying, it's almost immediate. The Holy Spirit rises up and you have peace. Prayer also is the key to overcoming. Worry and fear. I think if I look back on the messages that I've given you, I think this next verse, I've given it to you more times this year than any other year. First Peter 5, 6, and 7. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. So in, in there, the, the, there's all the ingredients for making peace in the midst of worry and fear in that verse. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. So this is the act of trusting God. Trusting in who He is. Now that's a big deal. You know, that's a really big deal. I mean, who do you believe your God to be? Who is your God? Is He the mighty God? I mean, is is He the one that created the world and He created you? He knit you together in your mother's womb? Is that your God? Is your God the God that parted the Red Sea and brought His people through, rescuing them from Pharaoh in Egypt? Is that your God? Is your God the one who took down Goliath with a shepherd shepherd boy and a sling? Is that your God? The one that saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace? He walked around in there with them? The one that kept the lion's mouths closed when Daniel was thrown into their den? 
Is that, is that who you believe your God to be? Is he the one that, that fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish? Is he the one who cleansed leopards and gave sight to the blind and freed people from their sins? Is that who you believe your God to be? Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. He is the same mighty God. And it is him who we humble ourselves under. It's his It's His mighty hand. And then we wait. We wait for Him to act. We do it on our knees. Now while we're there waiting and, you know, on our knees and and we're still seeing all this in our life, that's when you keep going in the verse. That's where you become a good caster. You know, I am not much of a fisherman. And I, I can confess, I'm not a very good caster. Like I have this fishing pole at home that I think was Dad's and it's, I've hooked myself with the hook. You know, ah! I mean, I'm not a good caster. But I don't care if I'm a good caster when it comes to fishing. When it comes to worries and fears, I want to be a good caster. I want to throw those things at at, at God. I want to give them to Him. I want to put them in His hands. I want to lay them at His feet. Because I can't do anything about Him anyway. But He can. And if we'll do it, that's how we overcome the peace killers. And the end of that verse is just such great assurance. We cast because He cares. The mighty God cares for us, for me. He knows exactly what's going on in my life. He knows everything that's coming next week. He knows all about this virus thing. He knows all of that. So we want to cast. Cast our worries and our cares because He cares for us, for me, for you. Let's talk about conflict a minute. Conflict with God and conflict with people. Two R words, very important when it comes to conflict. Repentance and reconciliation. Two R words. Repentance is how you get right with God. Reconciliation is how you get right with others. You know what leads you to repentance? Because repentance isn't something you can just turn on in your life. It's really a gift from God. What leads us to repentance? God's kindness. His kindness does. Romans 2.4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Repentance. His kindness. Now, Christmas is an amazing time to see the kindness of God towards you. Because any time you look at the manger and you see that baby, that is the one that God called God is God is with us, Emmanuel. When when you see that baby, you are seeing God's kindness to you. You know, we had we had no way of solving this rift with God. No way to come back to Him. No way to, to jump over that uh, that rift. No way to build a bridge over that rift. But He did. He did. He, he sent Jesus His Son to be that bridge for us. And so without Jesus, we'd be lost forever in our sin. And we'd be punished forever because of our sin without Jesus. So at Christmas, when we see that baby, knowing that... Knowing that, and then also, get this, knowing that if I was the only one who needed Jesus, He still would have given Him. Same for you. 
If I was perfect and you were not, Jesus would still come. (laughs) Those are the thoughts that, you know, lead us to this repentance road. Where we see our lives, we see how we live, we see how we can't get it right. We're unfaithful and we see God's kindness toward us and it convicts our hearts. And we want to be better. But we can't. We can't be better. All we can do is believe in Jesus and ask him to fill us and to help us. And that, that's all repentance. It's a turning away from the things that we don't want to do, like Romans 7 talks about, you know, I do what I don't want to do. It's a turning away from those things and a turning to God. And when that happens, peace happens. Peace comes. And, you, you know, we want to live in that kind of state, you know. We, we, we want to long for every day to have a heart of repentance. And the Holy Spirit can give us that. Do you guys watch Christmas movies? Now, I'm not talking about the Hallmark Christmas movies. Lori's been watching a few of those. She said she's watched a couple of them and she's done with the Hallmark Christmas movie. But I'm talking about like good Christmas movies, like Home Alone. So you know about that movie, I guess. (laughs) So we just watched that Home Alone. Now, I will say that the best part about Home Alone is the scream of terror when the spider's on the face. If you've never seen that scream, scream, I mean, it was made for the big screen. I cannot get through it without laughing. No one will watch Home Alone with me except Lori, and that's the only reason she watches it, because I laugh so hard at that scream every time, even if I try not to. So there's lots of screaming going on in Home Alone, but there's also a lot of... Uh, relational reconciliation going on. There's a lot of conflict resolution. Just a quick summary. Kevin is the main character. Eight-year-old little boy gets left at home because his his family goes to uh, uh, Paris for for Christmas. And uh, so he goes and he's at home by himself. And uh, Kevin has an elderly neighbor they call Old Man Marley, who's this old man, spooky, scrawny-looking guy out shoveling the sidewalks and salting them. You know, which, you know, they don't see kindness there. They see the spooky looking man. And so they have all these horror stories about old man Marley and Kevin's downright afraid of him. So, you know, you get to the Christmas Eve and the story and and Kevin and old man Marley find themselves sitting by each other in church before the service uh, and the choir's practicing and they strike up this conversation and the topic comes around to why they're sitting in church. And the man says, well, I'm, I'm here because... Uh, I'm watching my granddaughter sing because I'm not I'm not welcome at the live performance. And Kevin's like, well, everybody, I thought everybody was welcome at church. And the woman says, yeah, it's not that. It's like we, my son and I, we had words a few few years ago, and we haven't spoken since. And so I'm not welcome in in their lives. And Kevin says, well, you should call your son. I don't care how mad I was at my dad. I'd talk to him, especially at Christmas. And then the end of the movie, Kevin's standing there looking out his window at home. He sees old man Marley having a family reunion with his daughter, granddaughter and his son. You know, so a lot of reconciliation going on in that movie. Christmas is such a great time to seek reconciliation when there's been conflict. If if you want a peace-filled Christmas, go for reconciliation. 
Conflict resolution. Romans 12.18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So, if you were the one who, who did the wrong, if you were the one who said the words or did the wrong that hurt somebody, you want to hear again those, those uh, words about repentance. And then you want to hear these words. To, you know, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. What does God want you to do? He wants you to go back to this person that you've hurt and confess your sin to them and ask them to forgive you. You say, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? You let go of the anger. You humble yourself and go and speak those words. If you cause hurt in another relationship, I promise you it is God's will for your life right at this moment. Even right now, he says, if you've got a problem, don't be at the altar. Go take care of the problem. It's God's will for you to make peace. Now, if you're on the other side of that, if the harm was done to you, if the words were said or the hurt was done, then it's a little bit different. And what you want to do is you want to keep taking that hurt to God. You want to keep taking that offense to God until you're able to forgive that person for what they did to you, whether or not they come and ask for it or not. So you keep taking that hurt to God until the offense is gone and then pray. You pray that they would walk down that road, that they would hear these words, they would would go down that road of repentance and they would come back so that reconciliation can happen. See, you can't make reconciliation happen, but you can let go of your hurt if you've been hurt. And when you let go of your hurt and you give it to God and He brings you forgiveness... For the other person, guess what you get? Peace. A peace that passes all understanding. It's not easy on either side of that. But I promise you, if you'll follow those instructions, make peace when you can. God will fill you up with it. Okay, so we know what we're looking for. We know we got to make it when we can. There's only one thing left to do. Is that when you, when you are in this search for peace and you find it, you want to stop right there and you want to rest in that peace. You want to rest in it. So I'm going to have our worship team come back up. Let them come back up here. And we're going we're gonna to sing a little bit here as we wrap things up today. But listen, if God gave you a treasure map at Christmas, okay, so he, he hands you a scroll. It's got a little bow on it. It's a Christmas treasure map. Are okay, you with me? God's giving you a gift. It's a Christmas treasure map. You roll it open. It's got a, a, you know, a dotted line and there's an X. What would be at the X on a Christmas treasure map? The manger. Wouldn't it? We get to the manger. And when we're, when we're at Christmas, it's kind of hard to wrap our minds around that this helpless little baby laying in a manger was God in human form. He is the one who did all those great things in the Bible. He is the one. He is the mighty God. And so we're going to sort of follow this treasure map right now. We want to go there in our mind's eye. And we want to get right up to the 
manger and we want to peer in and see this baby. So it might help to close your eyes. Go ahead and do that. Let's walk right up to the manger and look at this infant. His perfect skin. His tiny fingers. His crying is over after his birth and right now all is calm. All is bright as that star shines down on them. This right here is Emmanuel. In his presence there is fullness of joy because he is with us. In his presence. In his presence there is also fullness of peace. But we need to listen to him. He's going to speak to us. Not with his mouth, because he can't, but with his eyes. He's going to look at us. We don't want to let this helpless infant, the helplessness of the infant at the manger, keep us from hearing what he wants to speak to us about his sovereignty and about our security. We want to cast all of our cares onto this infant. Can he handle it? (laughs) This infant child is saying to us, listen, not only am I with you, but I've got you. Nothing can separate you from my love. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never give up on you. I know, I know that you are weary. I know that you are weak from this journey that you are on. In this world. I want you to trust me. Trust me to get you through. Trust me to get you home. I've got you. I know you are depressed. I know that you are anxious. And all of this seems too much. Can't go another day in the middle of this crisis that we're in. Give it to me. Let go of it. Give me the chaos. Give me the worry, the fear. I am with you. I have got you. And I have got this. Nothing is outside of my control. Nothing is surprising me. Nothing is outside of my plan. I've got this. Cast your worries and cares on me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I I will not sleep. I am a strong tower. Run into me and be safe. Rest in me, my child. Be at peace. My friend, do not worry. I am with you. I have got you. And I have got this.
Heavenly Father, we rejoice in the mighty God laying in the manger. As helpless as He can be in human form, but the mighty God. We rest in His sovereignty. We rest in His strength, His grip on our hearts. We rest in His wisdom. In His compassion. In His power. We rest in His future. For us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.